You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, January 28th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can find me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres if you fancy, fancy content exclusively about the Padres, because my own Twitter account gets a little bit wild sometimes. Uh, and also, thank you for making Lockdown Padres your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And today, it's a very special episode. It is the, uh, I'm going to make it up, but probably the 11th reunion between myself and my guest of the day. It is Mr. Arm Layton, formerly of Lockdown Marlins and Lockdown MLB Prospects, and currently the co-founder of Just Baseball, a wonderful site, and currently the host, or co-host, I should say, of the Just Baseball show, and currently a host of <laughs> of Outside the Box with Jeff Codine, and currently the host of the call-up for Just Baseball Media. If you get what I'm getting at, this man is up to a lot of stuff in baseball. Uh, Arv, how are you doing? Uh, good man it, it's funny because when i'll go on sometimes people are like yeah so w- what do you want me to say you know y- y- you are like that do you want me to list everything i'm like no it, it's okay <laughs> so i appreciate you listing everything i am very excited about the call up um you know that obviously it was awesome doing locked on mlb prospect locked on mlb prospects for uh so long and and i'm so glad that they have Lindsay crosby taking over that uh but really excited to launch you know, the prospect side of things, because I was missing that, man. So I appreciate you having mm-hmm. me on. It's always a blast to talk prospects. And, um, you know, I just put out our, our Padres top prospects episode as well, which I know you listen to. Uh, so I know you're going to have some questions for me after what we talked about. But outwardly to you, I tell you that the Padres system is not great. Um, but, you know, <laughs> if, you, if you listen to the episode and in this conversation today, because I'm not going to lie to your listeners just to just to troll you. Um, the system mm-hmm. has a, a little bit more upside and I think it's, it's fair to say that, you know, we're comparing it to what it once was, which is not yeah. fair to this poor 2022 system, uh, just because, and by poor, I mean, like, I feel bad for them because they're compared to what was one of the best systems like we've seen ever, uh, back in like 2018. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you jumped on it right there. We're going to be talking about the, the prospects that you listed over on the call up. You can listen to the audio of that. You and Jack McMullen, your co-host, cool guy, Jack. Um, And also the article, which we're going to be talking about too, we're going to be pulling from that a little bit. But yeah, it's like for the past few months, you have been every now and it's like the little things. You'll send me a text being like, dude, I just, White Sox, like breakdown first. I just want to do Phillies. Like I got to do all these teams. I'm not looking forward to this. I guess just simply put. First initial statement, heading into actually when you sat down and did the top 10 Padres prospects, was it a lot more like on a scale of like one to 10, how much more surprised with you with the depth there, with the value there than maybe what you were suggesting over the text and the slam? No, it's honestly a great question. I'll tell you, you know, I know most of these guys and I have a pretty good idea on a lot of guys as I get ready to write up a system. Uh, but usually there's there's a few in the back end or a few guys that I was expecting to be outside of the top 10 that after I watch full starts on the mound or watch just a ton of at-bats and look into the data and 
reach out to some other scouts, players, etc. Uh, I'm pleasantly surprised. And I would say, you know, I was, I don't know what the exact numerical value would be on the one to 10 scale, but I definitely came away more encouraged with the depth of the Padre system than I was going in. Is depth mm-hmm. a strength for this system? Absolutely not. But it is definitely better than I thought it was. And there's some guys in the back end of the top 10 that I'm actually very excited about. And the more I watched and the more I dug in on these guys, the more excited I got on some of these players. So I'm definitely excited to talk about them. Absolutely, absolutely. And let's be clear here. There's a couple guys in here. Not, not a couple. There, well, yeah, actually, literally a couple. There are two that I think highlight the Padres prospects. We're just going to jump right into this. And what I mean by highlight is not necessarily the best ones, but the one that is going to be, you know, the top of everybody's minds. He's going to hopefully debut maybe in 2022, and that's C.J. Abrams. And then the Da Vinci Code, like, national treasure of pros- of of the gone girl of prospects, which is Mackenzie Gore, a guy who at one point was the top pitching prospect in all of baseball. And for some people, Baseball America, for example, literally falling out of... <laughs> Their top 100, which is which is really wild. But let's just start immediately with a quick thing on CJ Abrams because I want to get with the objectively like I don't think there's a really like much debate about this. How excited should Padres fans be about CJ? Uh, the most excited. I, I really, really think he's going to be one of the most dynamic players in the game. Uh, we we look at what he's able to do uh, already. I mean, yes. Could it could he have hit for a little bit more power out of the gate? Sure, but mind you, he started his professional career essentially in Double A, and really did well. Like really was good mm-hmm. until he got hurt. But what what I was most impressed by, honestly, was was the glove. He was mm-hmm. so much better at shortstop than I thought he would be. I watched so much of him uh, just defensively there. Uh, the speed translates incredibly well. Uh, to where his range is fantastic. The arm was much stronger than I thought, and and the actions were great. In terms of the bat, he's got way more power, I think, than people might believe. Uh, I think there's 20 home run power in there, uh, without a doubt, as he just continues to feel himself out as a hitter. The thing is, is you also don't want to try and lift and and yank and and try to go for the home run if you're C.J. Abrams because you could beat one straight into the ground and you are going to still beat it out at first base because he has a, a... among the best speed in all of professional baseball, that's including the mm-hmm. MLB level as well. This is a guy that, mm-hmm. you know, I think could check every single box and could be a table setter at the top of the order for the Padres and just be so much fun uh, to watch for the foreseeable future. And if he's playing second base, uh, which is where I think ultimately he's going to be because it's Tatis at short, he could be a gold glove caliber second baseman, one of the best in the game. Now, this is an interesting, you're hiding a little bit, your take that you think that C.J. Abrams should be playing shortstop. This is this is very interesting because you love to just like slander my guy behind the scenes and all that stuff. But I, I do think that it is interesting that the Padres at one point, I, I remember Padres fans and people I talked to like, they wouldn't have quite minded if you trade C.J. Abrams for some superstar and some big package. Nowadays, it's like, whoa, because I don't know if you remember, like at first it was Gore. Right at first, Gore was the top prospect. The system was more loaded, and now it's like, oh wait, no, oh my God! Like this guy has risen up. I remember a lot of some people at one point were saying they might rank him their number one prospect in all of baseball. He's basically in a consensus kind of top ten right now. For those who don't know, um, but that makes me move on to the next thing, right? And that's Mackenzie Gore. But actually, I really quickly, 
I do want to ask you, um, what's it called? About the, the top 10. All right. So out of each of these guys, we're going to talk about Mackenzie Gore in more depth in just a second. But I do wonder, Mackenzie Gore, C.J. Abrams, Luis Campizano, and Robert Hassel are kind of universally believed to be the top guys. Those are the old golden eggs. If the Padres did make a trade, which of those do you think you would be most willing to let go if the right offer or whatever? We don't know what, what player it is, but in a vacuum, out of those guys, which one do you think that you would let go the most? You know, we're going to get into to the specifics on Gore, uh, but mm-hmm. I would part with Gore, not necessarily because I think he's he's absolutely doomed, and, and that's something I'll get into, but just because you know, I, I think teams – the right team will still value him well because I think he's a change mm-hmm. of scenery candidate. Uh, but on the same on the same notion, you know, the Padres bringing in Mike Schilt and, and really a new person to oversee the development of the yeah. entire you know organization, I think is really important. Uh, so obviously, I would opt to keep all of these guys if you could. Uh, but if I'm trading anybody, it's it's going to be Gore uh, and then probably Camposano, just because. I, I think C.J. Abrams is untouchable. I think Robert Hassel is going to be a really good ball player with a high chance of hitting uh, in terms of hitting like his 70th percentile outcome. I love Camposano, but there's some makeup questions there. Uh, you know, how he's going to fit in at the big league level. Uh, there's some there's some, I, I still really like him as a prospect and as a baseball player. But, you know, as your catcher, having some questions as to, you know, how he approaches the game his you know, the, the way he is uh, around the clubhouse and things like that. Uh, I think that is somewhat of a limitation in terms of if we're comparing him to the other two guys. Again, not an indictment on Camposano long term. And the Padres have some questions to be answered at catcher because, like you, like you mentioned, the Austin Nola, can he play 50 games challenge? Uh, that That's a question. <laughs> but I think the Padres going out and getting Jorge Alfaro for depth I think tells you a little bit about their uncertainty with Camposano yeah. at this point. I, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a fair a fair question. So yeah, I think Abrams and and Hassel are kind of in their own ball game up there, uh, just because of their already proven ability uh, to to different degrees and also their upside. Absolutely, yeah. It, it kind of varies a little bit your your view on Gore. It varies and whatnot, and whether or not you should get rid of one of these prospects is kind of a question for the Padres. Their whole offseason, it feels like. But one thing that isn't a question, Arm, because everybody knows they're the best, right? This is a triple A. This is Wander Franco, right? Those are built bars, my friend. They are the best protein bars in all of the land, everybody. I've been talking about these things forever. You have to try them out because, you know, they taste like candy bars and they're good for you. I mean, I cut it right there, but I'm not going to end it there because. What I like about them even more is there's such a flavors. They've got coconut almonds, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, my personal favorite, apple almond crisp, my mom's favorite, cherry barcia, and the favorite of the locked on uh, folk, I should say, um, is the coconut brownie chunk flavor, if I'm not mistaken. That is a favorite of everybody's. That's what I like about them. They're kind of like the, the Ben and Jerry's of Built Bars. They're really good for you and very tasty, guys. And because you're listening to this podcast, you can go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Remember, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Aram, how about that for a transition? I think that was pretty good. I don't know. I think I did pretty good with that one. (laughs) Um, But let's get into. (laughs) Thanks, man. Let's get into um, like this is the main event. This is the guy everyone's been talking about. One of the things I've asked you 
um, a lot as the this kind of, like I said, it really is the Da Vinci Code. We don't really know what's going on. This is a movie with multiple parts to it. And we it's it's it actually feels almost like a movie because Mackenzie Gore at one point, like I said, top pitching prospect. He had all the he had four plus pitches, right? Um, he looks dominant on the mound. Clayton Kershaw comparisons, right? And I actually think that there's a really interesting conversation to be had about like this is what could happen with prospects and how we we overvalue them and we get a little bit too excited. But this one is even more extreme. And one of the things I asked you was, when was the last time someone has fallen? this much in consensus rank obviously you've had guys who have fallen maybe they went from top five to 20 or you have your lucas gilitos who debut and then they fall back a little bit but i don't remember a guy who hasn't debuted in major league baseball yet fall this far is that an accurate sort of statement or is there somebody else or does this happen like kind of all the time well you know it's it's a great question because i would say generally it's either like you have a really highly regarded international free agent who flops right away or you have a high draft pick mm-hmm. who flops right away. Uh, you don't usually have a guy pitch to almost a sub one ERA in in high A and then and then slow down. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's the question. And and also it's generally injury related, right? That wasn't the case for Gore. I mean, he wasn't pitching with no injury designation like it. That that's the issue because the the one fall from grace I could look towards uh, and, and and mention is probably Forrest Whitley. Who at one point, you know, was a preseason consensus mm. top ten prospect uh, for multiple years, uh, and I think was a top one hundred ranked prospect for four straight years uh, consensus, but dealt with injuries uh, among other issues as well. So it's still a little bit different. Gore's fall from grace is is about as unique as uh, of one that we've seen, which is a good thing and a bad thing, right? I mean, the, no no legitimate arm issues is a good thing, but it's also like, okay, but how does he rectify this? What is going on? Um, I, I think, you know, a little bit of it had to be mental. And it, it seemed to be like he was fighting himself at times. You know, I watched probably, and I went back and watched again, uh, different starts from different months uh, across the season. And you would see a different delivery from Gore each start, a totally different lineup, different delivery. In some starts, man, he was like 89, 91, and he looked like he was aiming it. And then other starts, mm-hmm. he was 94, 96 with no idea where it was going. Uh, and the other thing is when you're changing your delivery, Gore was a guy, like you said, with four above average to plus pitches. Uh, but when you're changing your mechanics, the way you have that feel for the changeup changes, right? The way you have the feel for certain pitches adjusts. And so with the adjustments he made to his mechanics, the curveball feel wasn't as good. And all of a sudden, the slider was looking better, which was always his worst pitch. Uh, and the changeup feel, which was his best pitch, started to fade. And now he's more of a fastball slider guy. So he has to almost adapt to his adapted mechanics and see how that arsenal works for him. What I will say is I went back and watched a lot of the Arizona Fall League. His numbers weren't great, but he seemed to be much more comfortable. He was cutting loose. He was up to 94, 96. The slider was nasty. But he's got to find now the curveball or the changeup with this new delivery and try to find a way to to get that command back to where it was. This is a guy that once had plus command. Now we're hoping for average command. I mean, it, it is mm-hmm. very surprising, uh, but I think, you know, he's still only 22 years old, and I think he started to finish the year strong, and, and I still think there's reason to be optimistic. He's, he's a lot better off than where he was at the rock bottom last year. I think he definitely was trending in the right direction by the time he got to the fall league. Yeah, it's just so interesting, like we said, what's happened with him, where it's like he's kind of, 
it almost feels like you, you're building he has to build it back up he has to level up again right this is like the Castlevania game where you have you're a god at the beginning and then you lose all your powers yes that's right I'm still as nerdy as you remember um great game by the way everybody check that out um never heard of it but like that's what I find so fascinating and now the question for you that I have which is a little bit more pottery centric not necessarily about his mechanics or whatnot but it's like do you think Padres fans should be worried that trading Mackenzie Gore now, you're literally selling as low as possible? Or is it the type of thing where you're like, I mean, we have all these starters. We've got Monahone coming back hopefully this year. you got Mike Clevenger. You've got the guys that you have last year. Hopefully they bounce back. Or like, is this one of those things where we're going to be looking back and being like, oh, God. Like, why he was 22. Why didn't we give him a couple yeah. years to like figure it out? No, I, I think it's a great question. I personally, you know, I, I I think it makes sense to ultimately trade him at some point next year, potentially, if if the opportunity presents itself, right? Because I would trade him before I trade any of the other guys, right? That's just the way it is right now. If the right team values him, then it would make sense. I think it would be nuts to trade him before the start of this season. Mackenzie Gore is a super athlete on the mound. Well, I can assure you has been working diligently through this offseason to iron out whatever was going on. And I think having the season halted, you know, like it's over. Now I can focus in a controlled environment and work these things out. He could come out next year and look more like the old Mackenzie Gore. And then at that point, you know, you could still opt to trade him and it would be a lot better. Even if he comes out next year and isn't is it is between where he was last year and and you know where he used to be before that uh, and when he was top pitching prospect in baseball, at least there's going to be teams with a little bit more confidence that they're not just buying into a total unknown. I think you got to come out next year, see how he looks, see how things are going, and then go from there uh, and make your own assessment and make your own judgment on Gore. But it's also important not to pit him against himself, right? I mean, this is a guy that struggled a lot last year, uh, but he also set the bar so high for himself that, you know, we were like, oh, this guy's going to debut at 21. Uh, and he's going to be a frontline starter right away. That has shifted, right? But a 22-year-old who pitched really well in the lower levels and then struggled in double A, like that happens all the time. And he's still 22. So I think it's important to like almost wipe a clean slate, forget the past, and look at it like this is a guy that has had a bit of a roller coaster but is super talented, and let's see how he does in 2022. I think, you know, looking at what he did uh, in 2019 and trying to just compare that to, to what we're seeing now is is just going to pit him against himself. Let's see how he comes out next year. And if he looks more like a future number three, guess what? That's still great. This is a guy that wasn't ranked yeah. in Baseball America's top 100, right? So if he looks more yeah. like a number three, let's not be like, oh, shoot. I mean, he was he was looking like an ace before. Like, this is still a good yeah. outcome and obviously would be a, a lot more valuable in that context. So. I think you got to wait. Let's see how he looks this coming year. Uh, and, and with how athletic he is on the mound, I think it's outrageous to give up on this kid, especially after what he showed. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, look, man, this is just a word to the wise. As someone who doesn't know as much about prospects, any I always get really nervous when people just give the comparison to like be the best players we have. You know what I'm saying? Now, I know that the NBA does this a lot, right? And it's it's hilarious every time when they're like, guy who shoots well, Steph Curry, right? But like with this, when someone was like Clayton Kershaw, I was like, I mean, that's exciting, but I'm not going to go in here expecting that this is the next Clayton Kershaw. I think you got to be careful when you're as a fan. Maybe the mechanics are similar. I'm not saying that's not a similarity and how they look and how they deliver. But when it comes to their overall value, you, you just can't look at it that way because I still think to a degree this is still... An, 
I mean, it's an imperfect system, an imperfect uh, evaluating process that, I mean, you just don't know sometimes, right? You just you just don't know. I mean, David Ortiz, who was just elected to the All of Fame the other day, you know, Circa when he's 26 years old, nobody thought he was going to be that good, and then he makes some changes, and then look at him, and then here now he's a Hall of Fame, and he's some celebrating changes. in a video that was actually pretty, pretty, yeah, some changes, man. <laughs> so for sure. Um, what was it? What was I going to say? And the other thing I want to say was, I forget it. It's actually I'm losing it right now. Um, I think the important thing about evaluating prospects is that just because you elect to keep them mean that you think that Gore is the next beast in your rotation. It might mean what we just talked about, right? Where are you going to be selling low on him and what have you? So before we get into now uh, this last stretch of this year podcast, because I think this last stretch is going to be the super nerdy part when we talk about some of the back end prospects that you ranked and some questions I have for you there. Here's something that has to do with betting. Ah. Almost. I, I had the transition better. I had something clever that I forgot. I've been really tired today. Uh, guys, I want to talk to you about Bet Online. Uh, they would like to wish you a happy new betting year as they continue their march to the playoffs and beyond with you. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. And just because you're listening to this pod, new year, new updated desktop and mobile website, you can sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit that's right just use our promo code locked on to get started when arm bets the heat when they're down by 20 at halftime whatever i know he's a big miami guy so maybe he's gonna do that hey if you bet on bet online last night on the clippers or hold on two three nights ago when you guys are all hearing this uh you probably made a decent amount of money they've got you covered guys whether it be basketball or baseball football hockey boxing ufc favorite vegas casino games arm you big uh blackjack guy or anything like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a big blackjack guy. Big, 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 black, big blackjack guy. Uh, don't wait to take advantage, guys, of all those Vegas casino games and all the amazing offers for 2022. It's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Yeah, blackjack is it's just easy, man. You know what I mean? It's just easy. I do want to learn how to play poker one day, though. I, I don't know about oh, I don't know if you knew this, too. but I used to gamble. I, I want to get into it because I was told by a very sage uh, wise man that you need to learn how to play either golf or poker. One of those two <laughs> is important to That's the key fair. of life. You, you need to learn fair. one of them. I personally elect to do poker because it's more uh, every day. I feel like the people play poker. I feel like the 1% are playing golf, golf, right? Like I'm a big mini golf <laughs> fan. All right. I'll school you in mini golf and whatnot. And I'll school you in Uno, uh, Uno rules. No, you won't. Uh, but anyway, you won't guys, <laughs> when I was in the Cape Cod league, uh, yeah. When I was broadcasting in the Cape Cod League, uh, mm -hmm. there's more mini golf courses in Cape Cod than anywhere, like more mini golf courses <laughs> per capita than anywhere on earth, I, I swear. And so we would we would play, you know, I'd play with some of the guys on the team after after every game. And I, I got yeah. I got my game up, dude. I got my game up. So all we'll, right, we'll have all to right. test that theory. We'll have to test that. Yeah, absolutely. It was just like how you're really great at Mario Baseball. Um <laughs> Let's talk about now, guys, <laughs> the back end of this Padres top 10. And this is, look, these guys aren't the ones that are necessarily making all the headlines, right? And you've heard some of these before on this podcast. Guys like James Wood, guys like Josh Mears, guys like Ethan Elliott, who I snagged in our fantasy league that is now dead. We're going to have to restart that next year. But I want to talk about two names that I personally had not heard of until you, um, your article and your podcast. And that's um, Robert Gasser 
which is just a, a yeah. phenomenal name in my opinion. And an even more phenomenal name, Urubiel Angeles, who I, again, these are two guys that maybe Padres fans who are listening have heard of, but I didn't. And as a curious fellow who knows nothing about minor leagues, I'm always interested in hearing about guys who are rising through the rankings and whatnot. What can you tell me about these two guys? Yeah, I mean, two guys I'm really excited about, man. And Gasser was somebody that, you know, was not totally on my radar. Uh, You know, I'd been monitoring, watched a little bit, uh, but not until I really sat down and watched full starts where I was like, this guy can be a dude. Left-handed pitching prospect out of uh, Houston. And your classic late bloomer where in his junior season just saw a big jump in velocity And the thing is, Gasser was somebody that operated more in the upper 80s. And so as a guy that was pitching Mm -hmm. more in the upper 80s and, you know, big conference, tough Texas baseball, you got to do something to get swings and misses. So he had a funky delivery from like a low three-quarter spot, and it was just hard to read out of his hand. That's how he made 88 play. But when that 88 turned into 94 to 96 with that same built-in deception, he turned into a nasty nasty pitcher had a huge junior year and where i think he really got on padres and team's radar was he pitched against the texas longhorns and ty madden who was one of the top pitching prospects you know in that draft ended up going pretty high fell a little bit but still was an early early pick he outdueled madden i think he went seven shutout against ut which was you know in the college world series and a lot of scouts started to pay attention to this guy when you have that release point from high three quarters really hard to pick up with crazy life on the fastball, gets a tons of swings and misses up in the zone, and then a nasty slider from that weird arm slot. He is a nightmare for lefties. And then the fact that he already is showing a decent feel for the changeup, that that is enough to be able to get righties out. I think this guy could be a legit middle of the rotation type of starter as he continues to progress. The numbers, small sample size, but in low A last year, in 14 innings was phenomenal. Uh, Pitched to a 1.29 ERA, struck out 26% of batters, barely walked anybody. The command is strong. I really like what I see. Worst case scenario, he is a nasty left-hander out of the bullpen with that fastball slider. But I think in the best case scenario, especially as the changeup develops, we could be looking at a really solid middle of the rotation arm here and and a pretty good steal at the 71st overall pick in the 2021 draft. Yeah, I was about to say that, yeah. So you would say he throws gas. Is that what you would say? Yes, he is a gasser. He does definitely (laughs) throw gas. Oh, yes. All right, everybody. I'll put myself a timeout for that later. Um, and then the other guy, Angelus, I want to know about. What What do you have to tell us about this fellow? Yeah, you know, and this is someone that, you know, Jack McMullen, who is co-host of the Just Baseball show and came on to the podcast where we talked about Padres prospects. He was the play-by-play broadcaster for the Fort Wayne 10 Caps. And uh, Angelus is a young kid, was 18 at the start of the season, I think 19 now, uh, and infielder, unreal bat-to-ball skills lit up low A and earned himself a promotion alongside Robert Hassel. They were promoted together to high A. And Angeles, that's in Fort Wayne, where for 18 games, Jack McMullen saw Angeles. And I texted and asked him about him. And Jack was super, super adamant that this guy had to be in the top 10. And and I agreed. I mean, this is somebody that, you know, is he going to be a superstar? No. But I think he has such a high probability of being a big leaguer and could be an above average one. Because he is such an unreal hitter. Just absurd bat-to-ball skills. A swing that is just designed for line drives. He sprays it all over the field. It's it's a swing that really is built to be able to get those high fastballs that everybody's throwing now. Uh, the bat just is, yeah. lives in the zone. And he's got a great feel for the strike zone. 
What he did between low A and high A is insane. 329, 392, 445 slash line. He had 36 extra base hits, a lot of doubles, only four home runs, but a lot of doubles and only a 16% K rate. So this is a guy that's not going to strike out. He can play all over the infield. He can play above average shortstop. He can play third. He can play second. Uh, I think if you gave him time, he could play the outfield. He's an above average runner and just a phenomenal field to hit. I really like this guy. Uh, I think at the very worst, you've got a really interesting super utility player that puts the bat on the ball. And in the best case scenario, I think you've got a really solid, uh, you know, Joey Wendell type of infielder, uh, which, you know, in today's game, you can't have enough of. Yeah, absolutely, man. You definitely want to have that. And what I love about this is you're just, you're bringing up all these guys. And because a lot of the doomsday thing that was happening with the Pirates was like, is all the depth gone? I mean, it's, it's taken a sizable chunk, but I think that, you know, can you say with some of these prospects, do you think that, you know, the big question I think that everyone's been asking me is, can you, you know, knowing the depth that we have with these, with Gasser, with Angeles, with guys like Ethan Elliott, which people can go look up the full thing on him. I love this guy. He sounds fun. And then James Wood, if they were to give up one of those top guys, like you mentioned, Luis Campizano, could you attach him to the current first baseman of the San Diego Padres? Would that be, would you be able to stomach that, do you think, knowing what they have in the back end, that, that this isn't like, uh, I've heard that the White Sox have a pretty bad system, right? That there's still stuff yeah. here to be able to recover from dealing some of your top stuff. Yeah, if there's a prospect I'm attaching, um, you know, outside of, of Gore, which I still you know would be reluctant to do, James Wood, I think, is untouchable. Um, just because mm. he's so young, you just, you just, committed well over the slot value to go get James Wood. He's six, seven with just outrageous power <laughs> and, and a really good athlete. I mean, this guy has like an Aaron judge type of build potential and, and moves really well. That's a guy that I want to see, you know, I want to see how he looks and then he, he develops the guy that I, I wouldn't mind trading, frankly. Um, and it's early and he could end up proving me wrong, but this is one I'm, I'm not going to lose as much sleep over is Jackson Merrill, who I know it sounds backwards. Merrill was the first-round pick, and James Wood was the second-round yeah. pick, but Merrill was an underslot first-round pick, and Wood actually got a higher signing bonus. So you almost have to look at it like trading back in the first round uh, to move up uh, with your second-round pick to be able to get Wood. That's basically what they did with Merrill. I think Merrill's a high-floor guy, shortstop, probably might not stick there, probably could play all over the infield, good bat-to-ball skills, uh, power that – has gotten mixed reviews. He put on a lot of muscle in his senior year, which kind of earned him onto, you know, put him on the radar of teams. Uh, but that's a guy in Merrill that I'm probably not losing sleep over attaching. If I'm trying to attach somebody, because I just, I don't think he turns into a superstar and, and, and it burns you. Whereas, you know, Wood could turn into a 40 home run guy. If it all works out, uh, you know, all, a lot of these other guys are kind of in the same boat. Uh, and then if you look at like Gasser and Mears, I just don't think they have the value to be able to attach yet uh, to to a guy and, and you know, be able to dump a contract. Uh, but mm -hmm. Gasser is a guy I wouldn't want to trade anyways. I think he's going to have a huge year uh, next year. But, yeah, I, I think Merrill is probably the only guy that really fits that 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 spot. All right. Well, hey, I love it. I like that this turned out to be a lot more exciting of a, a talk than I think that we thought a few months ago because – the Padres were in a really rough spot, but now it looks like, all right, maybe it's only because it's just not the best farm system ever, right? The castle has taken some damage, but there's still a lot of noble knights lurking inside yeah. of it, sir. Um, Absolutely. But now, let's, Absolutely. I, I want, oh yeah, uh, I want to finish now with 
something that is, you know, we're talking about what's going to happen with the 2022 season, but just quick thoughts. How, do, how long do you think we're going to still be in this lockout? Do you think it's going to be a quick thing? I personally, it's not that I think that we're going to lose games. I don't want to commit to that. It's just more that, guys, I don't want you to, like, use the whole, well, baseball just, it's the best thing for them right now, right? It's like, when has baseball ever done the thing that's the best thing for them, right? They find a way to stab themselves yeah, in the no. foot. But what do you True. think in terms of uh, when we might be able to see maybe a C.J. Abrams call up? You know what I'm saying? No, I doubt. <laughs> no, it would I still probably happen the second half anyway, but you get what I'm saying. I'm feeling really optimistic, honestly, um, and, and I might be in the minority on that one, but, you know, I, I'm seeing two sides that, that are realizing how much money there is to lose if they don't if they don't hit mm-hmm. this deal and get this deal done, uh, especially on the player side, which is the side that, unfortunately, even though I stand with the players here and on a lot of these issues, uh, unfortunately, the players are going to be have to be the ones that, that give. Uh, the owners, as we know, just are not going to budge, and... The players were willing to drop a couple key talking points, which I think is really uh, important. I, I would rather them not, but if it's drop those key talking points versus have it not have a season, like I'd rather have the season, right? So they were willing to drop the uh, years of control, uh, but you know the, the owners are not really negotiating in good faith. I mean, the, the one of the things that was crazy was the the pre-R bonus pool, where you had the players. Mm-hmm pitch a, a pre-arb bonus pool for for the top 30 war players pre-arbitration uh and the bonus pool would be about 105 million dollars to be split among those 30 players and mlb countered at 10 million dollars less than a yeah. tenth i mean that's a joke yep. so that part was discouraging but the fact that they met two days in a row uh that the players were willing to to drop down a couple things i think the owners will reciprocate in some way uh i, I think we'll have a season on time uh, and, and then one other thing I wanted to mention, just a couple other names in the system that are worth worth following. Uh, I know I talked to you about Ray Kerr, who I think is going to be nasty yeah. out of the bullpen for the Padres next year. Lefty up to 100 and wicked breaking ball. Kevin mm-hmm. Copps, I think, is going to go right into that bullpen as well. He is ridiculous with his cutter. Um, and then Victor Acosta, international free agent. Hmm. I really like what I've seen from this kid. Uh, I just haven't seen enough to, to confidently rank him in the top 10, but by the middle of next year, he could end up being in the top five. Like that's how much, uh, you know, potential jumping ability, I guess he has, uh, with, with his upside, um, and Tirso Ornelas, another guy that I think is worth following as well. Uh, but I just want to throw in a couple honorable mentions there and, uh, you can read all those write-ups, uh, at just baseball.com is that is uh, published as well. Yeah, for sure. Everybody, I will link the uh, link to the article in the description of this podcast. You could check it out. If you want to see like the numbers and the grading scale, a lot more in depth in the written version, which Arm spent a lot of time on. And believe me, I was looking while we do a lot of paragraphs on Mackenzie Gore. So you will get all of that stuff and more. Um, but before we kind of wind this thing down, man, you got anything you want to plug? You got anything you got excited about on the call up on all of the 87 things that are outside the box? I mean, you're talking with a former major, Mr. Marlin. That's who this guy is doing yeah. a podcast with everybody. I know that this is necessarily relate to the Padres, but uh, some really good stuff. Uh, tell the people what you got going on. Yeah, we're, we're working on trying to get Trevor Hoffman on uh, one of these days uh, because, you know, Jeff and, <laughs> Jeff Cohen oh! and Trevor Hoffman go back to uh, – you know, their days with the Marlins and, and I know they still have a good relationship. I we we have not gotten a verified day, but Jeff when Jeff Conine says, Oh yeah, 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 Trevor will do it. That, then he'll do it. Uh, you know, we, we had Jason Stark on not too long ago. Uh, we've had some really awesome guests on outside the box with Jeff Conine and then also the call up. We're gonna have prospects across the whole minor league landscape, Padres prospects, uh big name, top one hundred guys all over. And of course I'm 
updating our top 100 list soon at justbaseball.com um, and also putting out more team top 10. So a lot coming up and also a mock draft will be out soon. So you can see who we have mocked over to the Padres uh, in the early going here based on some of the things that we're hearing and seeing. Uh, so the mock draft will be out as well. So uh, probably the easiest way to keep up with all that is just follow us on Twitter at JustBBMedia. Uh, and uh, my DMs at RMLayton8 are always open. I try to keep up with as many uh, prospect questions as you might have for me. And I always enjoy talking with, with anybody about prospects. Yeah, he'll definitely respond on all prospects things. On regular things from people he knows that may or may not rhyme with my name, uh, he might ignore those texts, but he will answer all of your prospects questions, guys, for sure. Um, Arm, as always, a blast talking to you about Padres stuff. And um, everybody, be sure to subscribe to all the things that he said there. And be sure to check out Locked On Bets if you want to make some more bets and you want a podcast that also keeps you up to date on bets. Go check that out. Your boy Q, they got you covered over there over at Locked On Bets. And with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Locked On Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast or your podcasts from. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, at L-O underscore Padres for more Padres-centric content. And Locked On Padres on YouTube. Recently just patched 200 subs. Until next time, stay safe. And of course, stay faithful, my fire faithful homies. Take care.